a bit of a day of change in Major League Baseball. I'm Greg Matzik. Welcome to the program. With you till 9 o'clock, in for Matt Pauley on Brewers Weekly. And happy to do the show from American Family Fields of Phoenix. Brewers and Angels play to a 7-7 tie today. Yolis Chassin named the opening day starter. But the big news today in baseball has to do with rules. This is where you come in. 414-799-1620, the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This was all over the MLB Network this morning as I was in the Brewers Clubhouse here at the newly designed and renovated American Family Fields of Phoenix. Gained a lot of chatter in the clubhouse. And Craig Council, when we met with him about 9 o'clock this morning, he was just going through the full list as he had printed out the rules changes as issued by major league baseball what are the changes what's coming this year what's coming next year and what does it mean to you and how will it impact your enjoyment of the game and how will it impact the brewers 414-799-1620 if you'd like to join us here on brewers weekly it's the Acunet mortgage talk and text line there will be several changes coming to major league baseball this year however only one really affects the regular season the other has to do with the all-star break There will be one single trade deadline in Major League Baseball. When July 31st rolls around, if deals are not consummated prior to the deadline on July 31st, that's it. Your time is up to make deals in Major League Baseball. In other words, the period of time in which the Brewers executed deals for Gio Gonzalez, Xavier Cedeno, and Curtis Granderson a season ago, that time frame will no longer exist. You could still acquire players via waivers, but minor incremental trades like the ones the brewers did last season will not be on the table any longer it comes down to what you do prior to the deadline on july 31st so how does that impact the brewers as a smaller market team i think you take on more risk you take on more risk when you make deals prior to the trade deadline now maybe just maybe Baseball realizes that they need to compromise this whole deal. And if you're going to have the one trade deadline, maybe you do it August 15th. Okay, split the difference a little bit. Allow contenders and potential sellers to fully identify themselves as one or the other instead of having to make the deal in July. What do you think about this one? 414-799-1620. The other rules for next year have to do with the All-Star Game. There will be an election day for players. There will be a million-dollar bonus for the Home Run Derby winner. These will all be implemented in 2019 in the idea that you could maybe lure some of the most bop-worthy talent to participate in the Home Run Derby, which is really the bigger event. The Home Run Derby ratings are better than the All-Star Game, typically. And you don't always have the big boppers participating. Well, you might say to yourself, well, Greg, does it matter if Giancarlo Stanton wins the home run derby for that million-dollar bonus? He's got a $300 million contract. Well, maybe not. But a guy like Jesus Aguilar making about $550,000, yeah, that's a big deal. That's a big deal to get a million-dollar prize and bonus for winning the home run derby. So this is what's on the table for the coming season. In 2020, the list of rules expands. There will be a three-batter minimum for pitchers beginning in 2020. And these provisions, I think, are going to have a far greater impact than the ones I just outlined. The roster will expand from 25 to 26 players. That's a win, I think, for the Brewers. That's a win for every team, I think, in baseball. And rosters will contract to a maximum of 28 teams from the current 40 in the month of September. This, I also think, is equitable. This makes sense from a baseball perspective. I think it keeps things on a more even playing field 
to have all teams max out at 28 versus 40 because not a lot of teams maxed out at 40 and maxed out their rosters as they could with baseball's rules. So a lot on the table here, a lot to digest. What do you like? What do you not like? 414-799-1620. That is the Aconet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I did poll a handful of guys in the Brewers Clubhouse earlier today. Uh, we had a very interesting conversation with Craig Council as well. And, you know, it, it's clear to me that Council believes the the roster manipulation is, that's a big deal. Now, I don't believe these rules are in place because of the way the Brewers utilized their roster a season ago. Uh, maybe to some degree, I think it was highlighted in the playoffs when Wade Miley threw to one batter and was kind of an opening pitcher before getting taken out and replaced by Brandon Woodruff. So, yes, I don't think baseball likes that. But when you talk about the roster increasing from 25 to 26, that's it's a big deal. That's additional jobs. That's another body. That's additional depth. That's a win, I think, for the Milwaukee Brewers. There will be a cap on pitching. I think it's capped at 13. I think ideally you'd like the flexibility to have that player be a pitcher. You'd like the flexibility to make a choice, and maybe that's something baseball is relaxed upon when it comes across in 2020. But a lot on the table here. But I don't think anything really detracts from your enjoyment of the game and overall how the Brewers conduct their business. 414-799-1620, this is Brewers Weekly if you'd like to join us. Coming up on the other side, we'll dip into the locker room, hear Eric Kratz's thoughts on the situation. Guy's been around a long time, seen a lot of things happen in baseball. What does he feel about the way the game is being played and the future of baseball in America? Welcome back in from American Family Fields in Phoenix. This is Brewers Weekly, and I'm Greg Matzik in for Matt Pauly and with you till 9 o'clock. Believe it or not, two weeks from today, the regular season will begin. And obviously some roster decisions to be made. You get the feeling that Eric Kratz's time as a Milwaukee Brewer is winding down, and he is a treasure. He's an absolute treasure, but it is a numbers game. The Brewers did not trade for Yasmani Grandal to keep three catchers on the roster. Manny Pena seems entrenched as the backup, and then it's just a, a matter of where Eric Kratz fits, and, and right now he's on the outside looking in on the depth chart, and I think only in case of injury uh, would he be on the roster, and you certainly don't want injuries to happen. So uh, Eric Kratz, a very valuable piece of the Brewers team a year ago, had some very big at-bats for the team, and always just an interesting guy to talk to uh, about rules changes, life in Major League Baseball, and a lot more. Here's Eric Kratz. You're the kind of guy I can have a nice high-level baseball discussion with. Finally! High-level? Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that what you're looking for here? I feel like that might be a little too much. Well, the nuts and bolts of spring training are one thing, but I, I think baseball's in a really interesting spot right now where it seems like all these rules that are being thrown up against the wall, they're designed for pace of play, but isn't it more about quality of entertainment? Would that be a better phrase to use? It seems like they want more runs, but they want the game to go quicker, and that I don't know how that works. Yeah, I mean, that's a fine line if you want. I, th- I think they've set the parameters as far as what they want to get done with the rule changes. Um, I think the rule changes, as long as they stick to wanting pace of play to increase, you know, what, what, is, what is one mound visit going to really do, though? Right. You know, who got to five last year? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think we're moving in the right direction. you got to take baby steps, because if you take one big jump, then everyone's going to be like, no, no, we can't do that. So I think it's moving in the right direction. Well, being a, being a catcher, you're kind of in that. You're in, the, you're in the mix of it all, every play, every pitch. So the pitch clock, things along that line, and how many times you can go chat with a pitcher and all that. Does that alter anything? It separates the teams that are prepared before the game 
Not that, not that there's not situations in the game that come up, but there shouldn't be situations in the entire game that have come up. And now in the eighth inning, you're out of luck because you know you don't have you don't have a mound visit. I think you know if if they implement the pitch clock, like unfortunately, I think it's going to be kind of like replay, or replay wants to get it right, but it also slows the game down some. I think the pitch clock. I've seen it work the other way in the minor leagues where, you know, it speeds it up and, you know, you don't come to a sign. The pitcher just steps off. It's just like anything else in the game. When the game speeds up, the worst players play worse. When the game (laughs) speeds up, the better players play better. Yeah. There's also this idea that if the pitcher comes into a game, he may have to face three batters before leaving. Well, what happens if you get one of those classic Jesus Aguilar at-bats, like against Miami last year, it's 13 pitches and... You know, maybe a guy's got it, it really can't really throw more than 20, 25 pitches. Maybe it doesn't get to that three batter mark. Is there like a law of unintended consequences with all these things that have been 100%. thrown to the wall? Hundred percent. I think it, I think it is. I mean, so are you going to put the minimum three batters, maximum thirty pitches, or are you going to put minimum three batters and that's it? You know, if that's the case, whatever whatever they make the decision it on. Teams will just have to adjust. You know, if you can't throw more than 30 pitches, well, you know, got to get you out of there. Yeah. You know, so I'm not saying it's going to eliminate a certain type of player. I'm saying that that type of player that can only throw three or four pitches to a hitter, you know, has has to adapt or the game is going to pass him by. But also, like, there there is a value in a guy that faces one lefty Every day of a four-game series, mm-hmm. like there's more to that than just oh that guy he just threw one pitch last night. It doesn't matter. Oh, he probably threw 15 in the bullpen, eight when he warmed up, one to that guy. Probably bases loaded, got out of it. Like it's more than just that one pitch. Well, he should be able to do more than just one pitch. Like dudes have 50 innings in like 75 appearances. You know, yeah. Sounds like a posh deal, but it's <laughs> you're 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 warming up. Every day, and you're not facing you're not facing the number eight hitter. You know, you're facing Yelly. You're facing that nice lefty that's coming in that that you know is going to get the job done. So you have to get the job done. DH to the National League. You think this is going to happen? And should it? Man, I don't know. I I don't think it's something that can happen in a year. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that they have to because I think that changes roster construction immensely. It changes it. I mean, now you, the double switch is minimalized. I think it's a it's an opportunity to bolster your bench and your bullpen differently. You know, now with the DH, there's a shot teams could have 15. And if if they go to 26 guys, 14 relievers in the bullpen. And now all of a sudden you have more relievers, which is going to slow the game down more. You know, so it's don't work against each other is yeah. basically where I'm at with it. You know, if they move to it, cool. Like, but if they keep it with the pitchers, that's cool too. But it's <laughs> it, it's roster construction. I mean, I think more guys would have been going after uh, Nelson Cruz had had oh, there sure. been a DH in the National League. Sure. So it's it's good for it, it's always the game. Just the game's always changing. You have to adapt and change with it for sure. It just feels like people for for years have been resistant to change in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm finding though that 
the, the whole designated hitter thing, I think if I would have done this topic just as a talk show topic five years ago, there would have been very, very strong responses. And now it feels like it's sort of been neutralized. Like, I feel like I should be more passionate about, no, you shouldn't do this, or, you know, absolutely. And I was just like, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, but that's our society. Yeah, maybe, maybe our society is just, maybe I'm just getting oh, soft. Oh, well, yeah, you're getting soft. That's what it is. You've got you to gotta strengthen your stance a little bit more. Well, I, I shaved my head like you. I thought it would be... Headed yeah, on the right path. See, that's out of necessity. Before you <laughs> were is. fighting it, you were like, "No, I'm not. I'm not bald. I'm just balding." Now you're like, "I'm bald." Twenty four. Twenty four is when I decided. Twenty four. Yeah, well, I was losing that. the battle, and I decided just to let it go. But I'm sure there's three haircuts be- before that that you were like, "No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good." Uh, I never got the look. You know what I mean? Like you're out at the bar, like you get the look, like, "Dude, you got to do something with that." I never got that. No. So I, I was I was a little bit ahead of the curve. And I, you were progressive. A little bit, but I did it in the summer. No so you want the DH. It, <laughs> I did it in the summer, so I shaved my head, and it looked like I was wearing a swim cap. I'm like, oh, man. So for the first time in my life, I went to a tanning bed just to try and even things out a little bit. And then it kind of turned red because I'd never seen the sun before. That's terrible. So it was not an easy process. No, that's was a, it for you? It was an easy process because it was, I, told, I tell people, it, was, it correlated with my first big league home run. Really? Yeah. I saw the highlight, and I watched myself walk around in a dugout, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> the high home cam caught something there that I didn't see. I knew it was, I knew it was going here, but we were hanging on. Yeah. And I, I, pro- I, pro- I hung on. I hung on a couple, couple haircuts too many. So if you tried to let it all grow back, would it be uh, the horseshoe thing? Would you have that going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, have, I have a picture where I grew out the, uh, the HP haircut. Oh, for the really? play, for the playoffs one year, so this got thicker up here, yeah. and it was still super thin and disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it was disgusting, but I'll do anything for money. So you know what? <laughs> People put money down. I'll, I'll, I'll shave. A, I'll shave the reverse, the reverse horseshoe in my head if they want me to. Wait, wait. So you got money for doing for shaving your head? <laughs> for that? No, 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 no. For. For give, for my haircut, no, I need a new agent. <laughs> you need a new agent. Yeah, yeah, I didn't well, get paid ra- <laughs> radio, they don't, they don't, they 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 got your face for radio. Yeah, for I'm, sure. I'm on radio for a reason. Yes, that's a very I, good point. I feel you. That's why I wear a mask. <laughs> uh, final thing about your yeah. camp, I, 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 I hesitate to ask. Are you enjoying this? You're always enjoying it. Oh, right. Yeah. You, you no, seem like absolutely. one of those guys that just you, you soak up every day that I do. You're here and have a chance to put on the uniform. I do, and it sounds cheesy, but it it really is just because of my career path. I think you enjoy the moments, even even when it feels kind of sucky. That you know, the roster's shaking out s- separate ways from from my direction, but mm-hmm. it's. I get to play a game. Like you know what, I'll be I'll be done soon. If it's in five years, if it's in five days, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm gonna enjoy it. And you know what, it's not the game doesn't define me. You know, so it's something that's it's enjoy, I enjoy playing and I enjoy being around the guys. I enjoy you know cutting guys up a little bit, mm-hmm. and I enjoy the competition. So I think it's something that's it's. It is fun every day. Yeah, there's stuff that brings me down sometimes, but I I hope people aren't like, man, that guy. He was always he was always down. I hope people say what what you just said. You no, know, I think if I polled everybody in here, they're they're better off having played with you and well, having so. known you. Okay. Um, well, uh, that's good. Radio people included. Do people yeah. do people tell people who they're not better off with? 
Oh, behind closed doors. That's okay, behind the back. Behind the back? Yeah, right, yeah right. that's the best way to do it, really. That's yeah. my mantra is I'll tell it to your face. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Um, do, will you always be in baseball? I like, don't know. Do, do I really have... don't know. I mean, I thought about it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, I said last year I played my last game for the last 12 years, so I've always yeah. thought about the next step. If baseball wants me, I feel like some people who say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this after baseball. I'm gonna, How do you know? Like, are you just going to... They're just going to employ you? Like, I think there's a lot of cool things that I could bring to an organization to help. But it's also my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, they have to hire me. You know, at the end of the day, my my family is incredibly important to me. So how how that next job coincides with my family's situation also plays into it you know if your job opens you know maybe i'll take that if we could do someone, something together i'm telling you man. So, yeah i, I you I, have a you have a i hope if, if it happens when you want it to happen i okay. don't want to rush this along but <laughs> we can get something going we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> say the word it. we'll spin it <laughs> no it's you know and it's 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 flattering to think that people would say oh yeah you should totally stay in the game because hopefully that means that i can add something to the to whatever that job is you know what i mean yeah like and i think young players can learn from guys with experience i think young men can learn with learn from older men with experience i think it's just like you know the mentor mentee situation is always like there's always an opportunity to learn from somebody who's been through things that you may go through and try to avoid the pitfalls that that person avoided you know so that's real deep. Yeah. Went real deep. You just asked me if I was going to play. Are we, can we end on a lighter Same, note? But yeah. Let's, uh, so there oh, was this guy best that prank, was walking uh, down. It's <laughs> good stuff, man. I hope it good. all works out the way you want it to. I will. Welcome back into the program. I'm Greg Matzik. This is Brewers Weekly from American Family Fields of Phoenix. Just heard from Eric Kratz. Really interesting guy. Uh, very introspective, as our producer Ashton put it. And he is. He lets you in. He's a very easy guy to talk to. He pays attention to what you're saying, and it's a conversation. It really is. It feels less and less like an interview um, as compared to just a conversation with a really interesting guy who knows a lot about baseball, that's for sure. But his situation in Milwaukee is what it is, and it's, I don't want to say the writing is on the wall, but it, it appears as if it is. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Brewers and David Stearns are trying to execute a trade um, because Eric Kratz has had a nice spring. He really has. And Ismani Grandal comes over with the big money, and he's your primary starter. Manny Pena is certainly an effective backup who has got a cannon behind the arm. And Kratz is the guy who, who stepped in and had, I don't know if you'd call it a career year, but, boy, he had some incredible moments for the Brewers last year, an excellent pitch framer, and he became kind of a co-catcher along with Manny Pena. Uh, there was no primary and backup. It was a co-catching situation, and Eric Kratz deserved it, and he earned that opportunity. And the situation is unique because you've got a guy with not a lot of time left in his big league career, in his upper 30s. He's been around the block, treats every day like it's his last. He does it the right way. He's a guy you want to have in your clubhouse, but is there room in Milwaukee? And, and Craig Council was asked about Eric Kratz's specific situation earlier today. The, the, the agreement that we've made is that we're just going to give him all the information that we have, you know, and, and give him as much information. And, um, you know, at some point we we have to make a decision there. Um, it, it is unique in that, um, 
you know, in this situation, there, there's a chance he could be outside. You know, he's. It's not that we're necessarily going to send him to the minor leagues, but he could be end up on another team. Um, and that's that's a little different. That's, that's very different for Eric, for sure. Um, but um, you know, he, he's got a fair level. That's that's just the situation that he's in. And we've talked about he's able to. He's as well equipped to handle it as, as anybody in there. Um, it's it's still a tough situation, um, and uh, you know at, at this point there's we're, we're not any closer to resolving it. Well, two weeks until opening day, you know the roster is going to be whittled down here uh, in the next couple of weeks, and the Brewers have to establish a 25-man roster before opening day. We know it's a fluid situation; that roster can change the day after opening day. It's a, a beginning, it's a starting point. But we know the Brewers roster is going to be fluid all season long. But when do those decisions start getting made? I mean, the real tough ones, the, the ones where you got not a lot of separation between one player and the other. And Council was asked about that. If those closed-door meetings with David Stearns, if those happen on a weekly or daily basis. I think they happen. Probably they happen a little differently. I mean, you know, we'll... we'll I'll survey the coaching staff for a roster, and just because I think it's I think it's important um, to see what everybody's thinking. Um, you know, the, the the decision, the um, you know what we use for our decisions is different now, um, and probably more goes into it. Um, more factors, different factors, less. You know, it, it's less spring training performance it felt like the majority of the decision was made on spring training performance in another age yeah um that's lessened i think everybody every players realize that too yeah coming up next my conversation with brewers prospect lucas urseg he's got a very interesting story we'll share it after this from american family fields i'm greg matzik welcome back to the program in for matt Pauley this week matt will be back next week and uh, i will be back tomorrow night as uh, we wind down our time here in Phoenix, as this is my seventh, I think, spring training. And uh, it's always a great time. And it, really, the facilities, if you've been here before and you weren't sure if you were going to come back, it is worth coming back. Not only just to take in spring training baseball, but, my goodness, the facilities. It's its much more fan-friendly now uh, here in Maryvale at the park because there's a lot more concourse room. There are more ways to get in and out of the stadium. It used to be kind of a bottleneck of traffic, not only in the stadium, but waiting to get into the stadium. That's all been alleviated. Uh, facilities are beautiful. Team store, there are two team stores, and one is accessible from the outside, uh, so it's open on non-game days throughout the month of March. Just done a great job. No more bleacher seating anywhere. Every seat in the place, unless you're out in the lawn, has a back to it. And uh, just the great changes here. Not subtle. I mean, they made a lot of changes, but uh, a remarkable complex here and, and certainly something the Brewers will use uh, year-round. That's always good. Well, we know he won't be a part of the Brewers' 25-man roster. Could be part of the 40-man roster. Lucas Ursig, he's got a bat. He's a lefty. He's an infielder. He has hit some majestic spring training home runs over the last year and change. And he's part of the prospect pool developing in the minor league level. And he, like many of the existing brewers, don't like the early alarm clocks associated with spring training. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, it's not necessarily uh, an off day. We still have a lot of you know work to do that day. But um, it's definitely nice to you know get, get days where you get to sleep in a little bit. Like even, even yesterday, it was a show-and-go day. And, uh, you know, we got to sleep in until I slept in until... 
eight. Like I didn't really set an alarm either. I just kind of woke up naturally because I've been getting up at 5:30 every morning. So, um, you know, kind of days like that, you you uh, you take them for you know for what they are for sure. And baseball players don't like alarm clocks, do they? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Especially during the season when you know most of your games are at night. You you kind of uh, you know get into the habit of trying not to stay up later. But you know, as the season goes on. Um, you know, you're starting to get home at 10, 10.30, maybe sometimes 11, depending on how long the game is. And, you know, um, you do tend to sleep a little bit longer because you need all the rest that you can get, for sure. So on the other end, if you, you play a 7 o'clock game tomorrow, you're done at 10-ish, you're home by, I don't know, maybe 11. Right. Does the 5.30 wake-up call happen again on Wednesday morning? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The grind never stops during spring training. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like people are most happy when spring training comes to an end. For sure. For sure. No, it's, uh, I mean, spring training has been awesome uh, so far this year, and, and uh, you know, I can't wait to uh, keep it going, for sure. Everybody talks about making a jump from one year to the next, and as a prospect do you feel like you've done that and in what areas do you feel like you've taken that growth um for sure uh with my overall health um you know after you know spring training last year i was dealing with um kind of my hip and my back issue and and um you know i took this last off season you know as a uh you know kind of a wake-up call like you got to start taking care of your body so i ended up moving out here to arizona and working out at the uh you know facility um you know i kind of in the 2018 portion of the offseason, um, we were up towards the uh, Peoria complex. Um, it's called It's All in the Game. It was kind of like a temporary facility that we used, um, mostly for rehabbers and anybody that lived out here. Um, but, yeah, I was I was there five times a week, sometimes six, you know, if I wanted to do something on my own. And, and I made sure to eat right and, and, you know, just live a healthy lifestyle. And, and it and it's showed so far. In uh, spring training, it's crazy, right? And you're, yeah. When you're 18, you can kind of do whatever you want. You're flexible, yeah. you're limber, and all of a sudden, <laughs> not that you're old by any stretch, but it's just different. Oh yeah, for sure. No, you. I mean, like you, you, you know. Now that I'm, you know, in this, in this locker room, and you watch a little, you know, sometimes the older guys, you know, their, their, uh, their routines are so concise and and specific to what they do, and they they know their body so well and understand it. And um, you know, it's 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 kind of a good thing for me because I get to watch them and and you know pick up certain things that they do that i can implement into my daily routine and and i think that's the biggest thing is is uh having a good routine and and knowing what you have to do every day to get your body right and feel good to play because you know this game's hard and and everyone wants to be successful and i think um in order to be successful you have to do the little things right every day we've got a guy in braun who's been around for over a decade you've got an mvp in yellow you've got some pretty decent guys to pick up on what they're doing yeah, right for sure for sure and and they're i mean i i i still can't believe how awesome people they are you know what i mean like you you kind of grow up and, and you watch all these big leaguers and and like you know you're kind of nervous to be around them in the locker room because he's like you know i grew up watching ryan braun play and First thing he does is come up, hey, what's up, Ursig? How you doing, man? How's your off season? I'm like, damn, you know my name, you know what I mean? Like, but um, it's it, it's uh, it's something to get used to, and and you know, obviously, you don't want to step on any toes and get in their way, but um, you know, just a just a simple little conversation on you know whatever it is that day, it's uh, it goes a long way for sure. Well, when you hit balls out onto the walking path like you've been able to do, I guess people take notice. Um, in in terms of growth at the plate, you know, your swing is. It's pure, man. It's so consistent and nice, and you've hit some tape measure bombs. What is the aspect of your game that you feel like is, is what you really need to tackle in order to 
you know, being here as one of the everyday pros. Yeah, no, I've been uh, I've been working on it this spring training, um, just staying on my backside uh, more consistently. And and in the past, when I was dealing with my you know hip back issues, whatever you want to call it, um, I wasn't able to do that because it was giving me a little bit of pain. So I kind of slipped by, you know, um, not putting my best swing on, and I was still able to put up decent numbers. I think I could have put up better numbers, obviously. And, um, but now that I'm healthy and, and working on a more consistent, better swing, that's that's been allowing me to, you know, have more success at the plate and and um, you know give my daily routine a more positive outlook each day. You know, I remember when you were drafted. Um, it was it was thought of that you were you were a steal. Would you say your your college career was was non traditional? I'm trying to remind myself of the story here, but mm-hmm. but you ended you started one place, you finished in another place, right. went to a little smaller school, right? Right. right. Re- remind me of the story there. Yeah. So um, so I spent two years at UC Berkeley. Um, ended up flunking out, whatever you want. To, I didn't pass enough units to be eligible, and um, you know I. You know, when the the day I found out, you know, I immediately called my agent. I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm I can't go to Cal this next year unless I just sit out for a year, get my grades back up. Um, like, what am I like? What am I gonna do?" And it wasn't my agent at the time. I'm sorry. It was my draft. You know, my drafting advisor. I just okay. yeah. But um, uh, so I called him, and he, you know, he kind of helped me out. And, and he goes, "All right, I'll you know I'll call you back in you know half an hour." And five minutes later, he says, "Hey, you're going to Menlo." I'm like, Menlo? That's that's in Menlo Park. That's like a you know small NAI school. So I was kind of you know surprised because I thought I was, I was I figured I was gonna go to like Sonoma State or one of those D2 schools. And so he, he's like, yeah, you um, you know I'll set you up this and that, and and he helped me out with that. And um, you know my first day I met Jake McKinley, who's now our co-pitching coordinator. So that's pretty pretty cool. But um, so I ended up at Menlo College, and um, you know I I had you know I was dealing with scouts every day asking me the same thing. Hey, what happened? What happened? What happened? And I you know I told them all the all the same exact story, and you know just put it out on the table. And I told them, hey, you know what? I I, I messed up in the past. So, you know I I realized what I was doing, and you know I hit the reset button. You know I I made the change, and and I'm gonna do whatever it takes to uh, you know keep pursuing my dream, and that's to become a professional ba- baseball player and. You know, eventually make it to the bigs and stay in the bigs and have a you know successful career. And Brewers gave me that opportunity, and I you know I'm blessed till this day for sure. Seems like something you probably learned quite a bit from. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've learned to, um, I've learned from experience growing up, and I think that was one of the biggest experience life lessons that I could have ever had. Um, because without that, I don't know, you know, what I would be doing to be honest. Well, and now you've got uh, th- this window of time where you're, you're performing like a, a great prospect, but that you, I'm sure in your mind, would like to turn over to being a regular everyday guy. What's your what's your ideal plan here? I mean, what you always want to get better in every facet, I know that, but do you see a window where, yes, you could be a major league player, or do you feel like you're major league ready? Um, I mean, I, I would like to say I'm, I'm ready. Um, you know, I obviously ha- still have things to improve on, and... And um, you know, I like I just like to go out and compete, whatever level that's at, and and I think that's what I'm known for. Um, I wouldn't you know call myself like a, a gamer, but I've been you know told by some people that you know I do play the game as hard as I can and, and go out and compete, and you know whenever whenever that time is to you know give me the call, I'll be ready and you know send me out there. Appreciate it, Lucas. Thanks for your time, man.
Brewers infield prospect Lucas Ursag. Brewers Weekly continues after this from American Family Fields of Phoenix on WTMJ. Wouldn't exactly call it a well-kept secret, but uh, it was widely known that or expected, I should say, that Yulisha Seen would be the opening day starter for the Brewers. Craig Council eliminating any other discussion about any other pitcher today, announcing that Yoli Chassin would be the opening day starter. So it'll be Chassin for the Brewers against Miles Michaelis of the Cardinals, and that game will be played two weeks from today at Miller Park, believe it or not. So uh, we are getting on it here in a minute with uh, the start of the Major League Baseball season. And the big question is, I think, what happens after Yoli Chassin? Who gets the ball for game number two, three, four, and five? When do they need a fifth starter? Do they need that right away, given the schedule? Uh, looks like they do do if I'm just looking at this and, and piecing it together in my mind. And then what happens with the other guy in the mix? So you've you've got the, the cast of characters behind Chassin as Chase Anderson and Zach Davies. You've got Freddie Peralta who threw today, Brandon Woodruff. You've got Corbin Burns who has been impressive so far this spring. And you've got Josh Tomlin as well. Now in the case of Peralta, his line today I thought was really interesting. Uh, he allowed five earned runs. He gave up a three-run homer, and a couple of runs also scored following what was ruled a hit, but probably in most situations would have been a a put-out in center field. I think a ball just got caught up in the sun, and it was misjudged, and that's what happens out here in Arizona. It's just it's wild. I mean, routine pop-ups are not routine. So it was a strange line from that regard. But he also, in three and a third innings, Peralta had nine strikeouts. It's crazy. I mean, nine strikeouts. So the, the fastball was outstanding today, for the most part, popping off at 95. The one thing that I wonder about Peralta is, you know, we saw him just dominate the Colorado Rockies, uh, not only in the playoffs, but as a starter, ma- making his Major League debut last year. And you're going to get to a point where if he's a starter, then, okay, a team is going to see him for a second time, and maybe a third time. I don't know that he has enough pitches in the arsenal to be that 30-start-a-year kind of guy, at least not yet. And he's 22. I mean, my goodness, the, the runway is awfully long here for Freddy Peralta. His fastball is devastating, and he's got a second pitch. Chase Anderson got really good a couple of years ago because he had four pitches, and that was a big differentiator, and he added a little velocity to his fastball. Uh, so two pitches that, to me, that, that, that leans a little bit more bullpen, uh, with Freddie and his fastball, it is so good that he could probably get away with it for a little while, and certainly he could make spot starts. I, I just I wonder if he doesn't have three pitches that he feels really comfortable with, if he's going to find trouble maybe the third time he sees a given team. That's just a thought in my mind here. Is I think you know Brandon Woodruff has a little more polished of, a, of an arsenal, complete arsenal. Corbin Burns, I think, as well. Chase Anderson has a lot of pitches. His big issue is effectiveness and keeping the ball in the park. Uh, Jimmy Nelson's going to be down the road, maybe late April or May, or whenever he's ready is probably the best way to put it. Uh, Josh Tomlin I've not yet seen throw since I've been here, so I couldn't tell you much about him. But, you know, those are the names in the mix here. So I I think you feel comfortable with the cast of characters. Uh, It's just a matter of how you position them. I think that'll be a very interesting decision here for Craig Council to make along with David Stearns. We will wrap up Brewers Weekly from American Family Fields of Phoenix with some final thoughts right after this on WTMJ. Wrapping up the program here on a Thursday night, I'm Greg Matzik from American Family Fields of Phoenix. Boy, what a great week. A really enjoyable week as always. It really sets your mind back... uh, 
in baseball mode, and it, it's not far removed, right? We were in baseball mode in the month of October, and uh, very quickly, here we are again. So short off season, and I think a lot of people looking forward to Brewers baseball. It's been fun to be here, and we'll wrap things up tomorrow with a short show ahead of Bucks basketball. That's right, the Bucks road trip continues, and uh, that gets going underway at 6.30 tomorrow night from Miami, where the Bucks will take on the Miami Heat. Out of time on tonight's program. If you missed any of the interviews that we've had in our time here in the greater Phoenix area, check them out, WTMJ.com, or just check out the WTMJ mobile app. Find the Sports Central podcast page. Ashton's got everything up there for you to listen to at your leisure. Out of time on tonight's program. The news is next on WTMJ.